Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. How many of y'all have had some experiences with spiritual warfare before? Can I tell you today that you are always in spiritual warfare? And uh, so I want to talk a little bit today. In fact, some people might have thought, since we're a church and we're talking about war, that that's really the subject of the whole series, which which it really is, even though we haven't really said that. Um, sometimes we have a tendency to mystify spiritual warfare, right? We kind of put it in a box and, and we say, well, those people are really into spiritual warfare, but not so much me, right? Like that's an emphasis for them, but not for me. But I can tell you today that you are in spiritual warfare all the time. There is always a battle going on and that is important for you to remember. But I, I want to deal a little bit today with like some maybe misconceptions about spiritual warfare and and we're gonna we're kind of doing a series within the series this week and next week talking about Ephesians six. And today I really want to talk about more of our defense and kind of standing our ground and our resistance. And next week we're gonna talk a little bit more about our weaponry. So today's gonna to be a little bit more instructional probably uh, a little bit more teaching. Uh, next week will be a little bit more uh, Josh Brown. So <laughs> so if you'll bear with me today and we will try to get through all this content. But Second Corinthians chapter ten. Verse 3 says this, very familiar passage if you've been in the church for very long. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Everybody say, you fought differently. All right, so you don't, you don't argue the way the world argues. You don't debate the way the world debates. You debate, but not the way the world does. You fought differently because you understand that the weapons we fought with are not weapons of the world. You're otherworldly, therefore you have a different way that you fight. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Everybody say arguments. Say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about arguments. There's one right there. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You good? So we demolish those things, self-arguments, right? We refute those things. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we demolish those arguments, right? Because we live from a greater reality, and we take thought every captive, and it's, you guys are going to need to remember this for later, take thought every captive and bring it under the obedience to Christ, or make it obedient to Christ. Um, yes, I was... Yeah, I was uh, going from my memory, not from the verse here. And we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we take our thoughts captive, right? All right. So when we start talking about this verse, when we start talking about Ephesians 6, we start talking about 2 Corinthians 10, we all kind of had this like, kind of, whoa, man, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And listen, I understand that that conversation can get a little weird at times, However, it is important to remember that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, we live primarily as spiritual beings. Understand that you are spiritual and you have a body. The, 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 the spirit is an add-on. The body's an add-on. Do you guys get this? And so it's, re- so it's important to remember that our battles are primarily spiritual. Oh, man, I'm battling the world. I'm better. It's primarily. If you're struggling... Listen, if you're struggling, it is primarily spiritual. That doesn't mean it's a demon, right? But it does mean, but it does mean that it's primarily spiritual. 
So if you want to win in the natural, because what we try to do, part of the reason why we live so defeated is because we try to fight like the world fights. We try to deal with things the way the world does, or the, the programs and the systems the world has developed, and we don't have any victory in our life. And we wonder why. Well, it's because you're primarily spiritual, and you're trying to deal with this thing called life carnally, right? right? Or as the world does. So you kind of have these two camps, right? You have the skepticism, right, camp, which I'm kind of a little bit more in that camp, and then you have the superstition camp, right? You have people that are like, man, they're like, everything, you know, everything's a demon, everything is, you know, uh, hexes and walking under ladders, and black cats are an omen. If there's a black cat in your yard, you need to start praying that your house would be delivered of demons, right? And then you have the other people that are just like, what? That doesn't make any sense, right? You have the, the skeptics or the subs, uh, substition, so superstition and skepticism. Now, see, what you got to understand is that most of the world most of the world believes in the spiritual, even if they don't follow the ways of what we would call biblical Christianity, okay? Most of the world believes in the d- demons. Most of the world believes in demonic. You go to Africa, you go to anywhere, you know, south of the United States border. I mean, all over the world, spiritual things are very much an emphasis. In America, we've kind of subdued that. We say, well, it's all about logic. It's all about reasoning and all this kind of stuff, which those things are great also. But how many of you know that anytime that we're, we lean too many, too much on one side of that, we can become imbalanced and we can become flaky, right? And so you can be completely logical and be flaky, right? Because you're primarily spiritual, so it's important that we're able to live in this tension and be able to sort through life to, in order to win battles. Y'all all right? Now check this out. This is a Gallup poll in 2017 that came out that said 89% of Americans believe in God. However, only 61% of Americans believed in the devil. So they believe in good. They don't necessarily believe in evil. In fact, the definition of evil is not the thing that happens. It's actually the absence of good. Do you understand that? That evil is the absence of good. You take good out of the equation, evil. You guys understand this? Evil happens where good is not present. And I would say this, evil happens where God is not present. So 89% of Americans believe in God, but only 61% believe in the devil. That means a third of the people that believe in God don't believe in the devil. That's crazy. Especially if you believe in the God of the Bible which we do. And then you have kind of these realities and you have these extremes, right? If you go to the movie theater or you pick up a book and you start reading about supernatural things and spiritual things, it's usually very spooky, right? Um, you have, you know, these images of guys doing exorcisms and it's this priest with this collar and these, you know, big old crucifix and this oil. And he's like, if he can just be strong enough, he can withstand the demon, right? And it kind of portrays that the demonic is more powerful than God, right? Or the other kind of extreme on that is that it treats as the demonic as fantasy. My opinion is this. It's painted in such a dark, gruesome way that everybody dismisses it as fantasy. Are you with me? Um, 
And then you deal with the church, because the church has some weird superstitions, right? We have some weird traditions that we do when we talk about spiritual things, and usually you have two camps within the church. You have the church that never addresses spiritual warfare, that never talks about angels and demons and, you know, the, the fight that's continually happened, and then you have those that are like, man, there's a demon behind everything. I got a stupid devil. I got a flat tire today, right? I didn't get a good parking spot today. That was a devil. Maybe it was God not want, wanting to give that parking spot to someone that actually needed it because you have good legs. <laughs> How about that? Uh, listen, everything is spiritual, but that doesn't mean that every negative circumstance is of the devil. Part of it is that you live in a fallen world, Right? It's not saying you shouldn't pray for a good parking spot all the time, but it might be better for you to not to be so selfish and self-indulgent upon your prayers and start thinking a little bit bigger than yourself on things that you pray for. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had some spiritual experiences. I've had some crazy, I've had, you know, when I first got saved, there were, there was a time when I knew without a shadow of a doubt, there were like demons in my room and, you know, prayed and asked, you know, commanded those things to leave and they left. I've experienced that. I've, I've experienced, I believe, the presence of angels in my midst. Obviously, the presence of Jesus, which is way better than the presence of angels. Come on. Um, we have this kind of weird fascination with angels sometimes. But did you know that you're actually in God's value system higher than the angels? And the angels are actually there to, to serve you right? And we don't worship angels and we don't get this unhealthy, strange, you know, worship almost of angels. Um, so we have these experiences, these spiritual experiences, and then we have these spiritual experiences with people, right? So man, I've had some crazy like encounters and, and conversations with people, you know, people casting demons out of air conditioners, um, you know, and things like, and that's just, that's just a little weird because demons don't live in air conditioners and houses. They live in people. And, you know, one time Jesus cast them out of people and sent them into pigs. So it seems to me that demons would need to live somewhere that is living. Um, and then you had, then we, I had another thing that kind of, kind of crazy happened. Someone came to me and said, well, you're unapproachable. So you need deliverance. In other words, their perspective of me meant that I had a demon. And so I was like, well, okay, well, yeah, I think you just, I think you need some ministry. That's how the conversation went. They were like, well, I think that you, that you need some things. Cause I was like, man, what's going on? Like everything's seen demon and everybody needs to go through like this deliverance program. And I, I'm all about those things. And I, I don't know that deliverance is the proper word for it all the time. Um, I think, I think Christians can definitely deal with demonic influences. Come on, I, I believe that if the devil's not on your back, he's on your side, and sometimes he oppresses us, and sometimes there's things that we need help getting through. Sometimes we need healing. I believe in all that, but I was having a conversation with this person, and they were like, they were really into, you know, everyone needs deliverance. Everybody needs to, you know, vomit in a trash can and have the demons go away. And I'm not saying that that's never appropriate, but anytime that we make a formula out of a, out of something that happened one time, we've got a problem, and so... I remember them telling me, man, you just need some ministry. I'm like, yeah, yeah, for what? Like, they were kind of like hiding. They're like, well, you're just kind of inapproachable. So really what they said is because I, because of my personality, they thought that because I wasn't like them or the way that they preferred that I needed to be delivered of not really a demon, but a personality trait that they didn't like. And so people can be a little weird. And so what we do is sometimes when people are a little bit weird with stuff is we end up taking a truth and we take a reality and we throw that out because someone misrepresented it. 
It doesn't mean that there wasn't truth to that. Maybe I didn't do need deliverance. Maybe I do need some ministry for some things in my life. I would say that I probably do even still today need some healing for things in my heart, just like you. There's probably things that we're always walking through. We're always needing ministry, all that. And, and, and God wants us to be more healthy. Come on, are you with me? But the thing is, is like sometimes we people kind of misconstrue these things and they make them a little bit more demonic than they actually are because sometimes those things are the natural and sometimes they are the devil and sometimes they're just wounds. Come on. And so what we tend to do is we tend to take a truth and we say, well, that's just not true because people have misrepresented it. And we see this all over. We see this in, in, in America, hardcore right now with Christianity because people have misrepresented Christianity and called themselves Christians and weren't really being a biblical Christian and just using the word Christian because I was born in America or I went to church when I was a child or Sunday school or whatever. So me, people misrepresented that. So they said, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm something else. Understand that that doesn't help. <laughs> it actually contributes to the problem. So we, again, we have the tendency to ignore or throw out a truth because we have a bad experience with the person. How many know that Jesus drove out demons? Right? Jesus commanded demons to flee. And then in Matthew 28, he said that we'll do it also. Right? The Great Commission. You go, you'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, cover, you'll drive out demons. How many demons have you drove out? Right? That's a good question to ask us. Because we'll be talking about how many people have you shared the gospel with? How many demons have you drove out? Because that is also part of what we're called to do. So, again, we live in this balance of, of the extreme and, and the reality. So it's important for us to be well-grounded and well-rooted in truth. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this in the screw tape letters. I've never read the screw tape letters, but I've read this quote before. It's great. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can, can fall about devils. One is disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Both hell with equal delight. And so there's this, this problem of fearing demons. There's another problem with being fascinated by them, right? Equally Problematic. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power or in his mighty power. I'm resorting to my King James, the power of his might. Verse 11. Put on the full armor. Everybody say full armor. The full armor of God. Don't just have a breastplate. Right? All right? We're going to talk about some of that today and the next week as well. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we need to be well equipped, is what he's saying, right? Fully equipped to stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't fight like the world fights, right? In other words, it's not in the, the natural. We don't fight spiritual battles with our fist, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. I mean, you know, the world that we live in is dark. People will tell you the world is good. People are generally good. False. That is not the gospel. People are generally sinful and wicked. Generally, they're wicked. The only way you get out of wickedness and the only way that you get out of sin is by accepting the perfect love of God through Jesus. That's the only way you get out of the wicked camp because you're fallen. You screwed up. Well, I'm not a bad person. Well, compared to Jesus, you probably are. And that is the standard. Understand? All of, 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory or the goodness of God. And against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he says we're not fighting flesh and blood enemies, right? We're not fighting with guns and daggers, right? We're, we're fighting a spiritual war. We do have daggers, but it's a different kind of dagger. So let's talk about this. What are we fighting? What are we to stand against? The devil's schemes. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2.11, we are not a, unaware of his schemes. So an awareness is important, not a fear. I, I wouldn't even say, I almost use the word respect, but that's not a good word for it. But an awareness to understand how, who the devil is and how he functions. Are you with me? The word devil actually means the one who throws slander or accusations. The word devil, you break it down, diablos, diabolical, casting, accusations, and slander. That's why it's so important that we don't cast accusations and slander. Because at that moment, we're not partnering with the heart of God. We're partnering with the way the devil works. That's the way the devil works. Devil ministry, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. Accusation, slander. That's the way he works. God doesn't, God doesn't work through an accusation and a slandering spirit. Accusation, temptation, manipulation, deception, fear. These are all tactics. These are all schemes of the devil. So you got to understand something. Before the devil fell, right? Did you know the devil was an angel one time in heaven? Okay, scripture teaches us in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 14. It talks about the devil. And also in Ezekiel 28, it talks about how the devil was made when the... and most people believe this. This is kind of a common belief. It doesn't actually say this. It's just kind of assumed that the devil was kind of the, the song leader in heaven, right? So, so the worship leader in heaven was the devil, but he didn't play instruments. He actually had instruments built into his being. It's, it says that he has uh, trembles, uh, timbles and, and pipes inside of him. And basically what that means is he had like drums and he had like flutes and stuff like built into him. And so the devil, listen, what is, what is music? Music is a manipulation of sound, right? It's, it's manipulating tension. If you get over here and you play this guitar over here, what, do you, what are you doing? You're manipulating the tension between those strings. What are you doing when you sing? You're manipulating the tension of sound. Music is all connected with tension. Y'all stay with me. And so it's a craft, that's developed, right? Music is a craft. You develop, you don't, you just, I mean, some people are born, uh, some people are really born like good musicians, right? They just, it's built into them, right? And some of us, not like the devil, but, but built into them like they have an awareness of it. It's just it's kind of in their DNA. And then there's other people that, that learn it as a craft. Like it's, like it, it takes a lot of work, like me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a musician, so I have to work real hard to be real good at it. Other people, they're like, and I'm almost like, how do you move your finger like that? But listen, the devil, it comes very naturally for him to be crafty and to be skillful and to manipulate because this is the way that he was built and then he transformed the way that he was built that was supposed to be something that was good. Come on, are you with me? Then he falls and all those things that were, that were designed in him to, to be good, he manipulated them for evil. And he tried to use his craft for influence and it got him kicked out of heaven. Because he tried to basically take the throne away from God. And so he's crafty. We understand this. He's, he's skillful. Um, we know, and we've talked about it in the series, First uh, Peter chapter 5, 8, says he is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Right? Devour means to drink. It means to drink up. 
or to drink down. So the devil desires to beat you down and drink you down. He desires to, to just destroy you with violent opposition. He hates you. His intentions for you are all bad. I'm not trying to make you scared of the devil. You shouldn't be scared of the devil. We'll continue. Number two, so he reveals himself as a roaring lion. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, he's revealed as the subtle serpent. See, the enemy does n- never announces he's there. I'm the devil. I'm here. Ah! That's not the way he works. He's a subtle serpent. He comes in questioning, accus- accusation. He comes to, to beguile our senses and to, per- to, to pervert our judgment and enhance our imagination. He's incredibly crafty. His lies are never announced. He never goes, well, I'm about to lie to you. <laughs> it always sounds good. He starts with small. Listen, small. He always starts small. Why? Because he's crafty. He starts with small deceptions and works his way in with accusations and harmless temptations. This is why it is so important for you to guard your life. This is why it's so important for you to be founded in the word of God. This is why it's important for you to be doctrinally sound. Because the devil comes in with subtle deceptions. I mean, you look at the greatest cult leaders that the world has ever known. A lot of them started with the biblical base. What happened? Just one little thing. The next thing you know, they're deceived into something bigger. And bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just the way the devil works. He always starts small. Just a little crack. He just needs that. You know, it's like you're walking down the street. You see a little crack in the cement. That's all he needs. Just a little crack in your life to come in and work his way in. And then break your foundation. That's right, baby. That's good. So he'll creep into your family. Come on. He'll creep into your job. He'll creep, get, jump into your mind, to your relationships, to your friendships. And he does this through compromise. Ah, come on. That's not a big deal. He does it through offense, unforgiveness. Listen, you, you must understand, unforgiveness is demonic in nature. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness is demonic. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's demonic. You need deliverance from that. How do you get deliverance? You forgive. I'm not talking about what the person did. I'm talking about the root that the devil has in your, in your life. And you wonder why all these other things are falling apart, or you wonder why you're struggling with bitterness. You don't want to. You don't want to carry that around. And he does all these things. Listen, compromise, offense, unforgiveness. He does all this while giving you proper justification. He goes, "Well, you should feel that way. You have every right to be offended. You have every right to compromise. You deserve that." exactly what he does. Brings in confusion and misunderstanding. It's all subtle. It's just subtle little things. Just little things. Have you ever heard the devil's in the details? It's true. He's just, he's just de- working in the details of your life, just going, eh, little offense here. Doesn't that bother you when they, say, when they look like that? What is that? The, the, it's a trap. It's a trap. Meme. Insert meme. The third way that he represents himself, or that he is, a roaring lion, a subtle serpent, an angel of light. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Did you know the devil is more beautiful than ugly? I love how, you know, Loki, the, the, the Marvel character, um, he, he 
he's kind of a, a cool looking guy. You know what I'm saying? It, maybe you don't think he is, but he's like, he's pretty awesome. Like you, you want to like him, right? Like, you're like, yeah, but that's like his character. Like he's, he, he's like a really good picture of the devil. Cause he's like this kind of handsome guy, you know? And, uh, but he's evil and he's just kind of very accurate. You know, the, the devil looks more like a supermodel than he does a picture of the devil with horns and, you know, fire and all this stuff way more like that. And he also isn't the little guy with like, you know, the tail and the horns and, you know, that's not the devil. The devil will come to you as an angel, as an angel of light. He's been around angels. He knows how to imitate angels. That's, that's, that's what he does. And so he masquerades himself, but he is, listen, he is a deceiver. He will always come in. You know, there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter five, verse 20. It says, woe to those that call good, evil and evil, good. See, that's the devil's plan, man. He, he comes in and he's go, he goes, man, that's good. You should go ahead and do that. Right? And we get deceived by him. Why? Because he's an angel of light. He knows how to, he's got a good cover up. So it's important for you to be founded in biblical truth so you know what is of God and you know what is of the devil. So you know what is good and you know what is evil. Because our world, listen, our world is very backwards on morality. And it's, it's, it, it, this isn't a new problem, by the way. This is a very old problem. Did God really say? Remember? The first thing that he says. Did God really say? All right, Ephesians 6. Y'all all right? Okay. Therefore, now he's talking about the devil. Be ready. Stand against. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, which, how many know that the day of evil can be tomorrow for you? Tomorrow can be the day of evil. Today could be the day of evil. You can go home today, and that it, today could be the day of evil. Right? You may be able to stand your ground, that you might be solid. I mean, God wants you solid. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. <laughs> I love this. Right? Stand your ground. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand, stand, stand. Just stand your ground. Be firm. Be immovable. Be closed-minded. There's some things you need to be closed-minded about. God is good. That's a good thing to be closed-minded about. The Bible is the word of God. Good thing to be closed-minded about. Should that be based in reason? Absolutely it should. And it is. Do your research. Good, great. Y'all okay? All right. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. How often? Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Okay. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying with the saints. So be alert. Be on mind. Don't be afraid. Right? Don't be afraid, but don't be stupid. Standing firm. Now, that word standing firm there, uh, another translation says stand against. And basically what it means is that when you stand, it means that you're not standing like this. It actually means that you're standing like this. 
Because you know and I know that whenever you, when you stand like this, you have more resistance than when you're standing like, because if I'm standing like this, you can just come push me right over. But if I'm standing like this, I can put up a fight. I put up a real good fight with some of y'all. I can be like, come on. Right? Some, one, two, one or two, one or two, eight-year-olds. All right. So we need to develop a resistance. We need to develop this standing firm. I'm not moving. I'm right here. And so today we're going to really focus on kind of these defensive postures, this standing firm. Right? You said, wow, you've already been preaching. Yeah, I know. We're going to get through it. Now listen, Satan, although not in hell and not bound forever, he is defeated. Listen, and he is rendered powerless. Do you, you, you understand this? Well, I'm just, I'm scared of the devil. Listen, if you are scared of the devil, he's already got you where he wants you. The only authority he has in our life is the authority we lend him. Let me say that again. The only authority he has in our life is the authority that we lend him. You have, listen, beloved, as a child of God, listen, as a child of God, you have more authority than the devil. So the only authority that he can have is the authority that you lend him. The only authority he has is the authority that you lend him. So stand firm. He's not, he, the devil is roaming. Come on, he's the prince of the power of the air. He is, he's doing stuff. He's on the earth. But he is rendered powerless to the beloved of God. So this is how he tells us to stand firm. It's interesting. Stand firm, put on this weaponry. Number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth is a wide, sturdy belt. It's been suggested uh, that, that probably the belt, or the reason why it's mentioned first, is because the other part, a lot of the other parts of the armor would connect to the belt. The belt was kind of this, this the, kind of the centerpiece of everything else. And he, he, call, he says the belt of truth. See, the enemy will always question, and we've been talking about this a little bit, he will always question and manipulate the truth. So it's critical that we have the truth. And not just the truth of the word of God, but reality, all reality, accurate, 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 objective reality. Not your perception, not your thoughts, not your opinions, the truth. The truth doesn't change. This is a pulpit. It, that, you cannot change that. Understand? It's not a microwave. It may look like your microwave. You have a weird-looking microwave, but it's not a microwave. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but that's not what it is. It is what it is. The truth is what it is, and it doesn't change based upon your opinion, my opinion, anybody's opinion. It is just it's what it is. So the enemy will always come and say, well, that is a pulpit, but it kind of looks like a music stand, right? It does kind of look like a music stand. Right? I'm going to use that. Okay. So you have in our culture today, and there was kind of, this kind of started, you know, about 20 years ago, this idea, further back than that, but became popular, postmodernism, which is relativism, it kind of really took the stage about 20 years ago. And then over the past, I don't know, five or six years, I would say even less than that, two or three years, postmodernism, which is rooted in relativism, which basically means that truth is relative, has taken a rise. And there's a lot of it in the church, actually, which, which is the statement, the truth, uh, your truth. 
whatever your truth is. And it's so compassionate, right? Angel of light. Your truth, right? Well, that's not true for everyone. Well, if it's true, it is true for everyone. That's what makes it true. See, if the truth is relative, it's not truth at all. There is no your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. You might have a misunderstanding of the truth. I might have a misunderstanding of the truth, but the truth doesn't change. If it changes, it wasn't truth. See, the relatives thinks that truth is subjective. Therefore, truth becomes a lower value to virtues based on emotions and experience. Let me say that again. The leaders have already heard this. Therefore, truth becomes a lower value to virtues based on emotions and experiences. So in other words, based upon my experience, that isn't true. Well, it doesn't matter what your experience is. It doesn't matter what you feel about truth. Truth is truth. Truth isn't a feeling. Truth isn't, truth isn't a, a, a virtue. It is a value, but it's not a virtue. Truth is truth. It doesn't change. Values and virtues are things that we add onto our life. Goodness, love, tenderness, all those things. Those, those are things that we add into our life. They're virtues, but truth is unchanging. Reality is, is that if truth is subjective, it's not truth at all. What makes truth? Truth is that it is absolute. Y'all all right? So you don't have to say the word absolute truth. You don't have to use that. You just say truth. Truth means absolute truth. Always and all the time. All right. So the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate is a, is a piece that covers a soldier's heart and vital organs. See, we cannot produce righteousness, but we can guard it. We can't produce our righteousness, but we can guard our righteousness. This is why it tells us in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. How do you do that? By the way that you live. By guarding and protecting. Now, I want to take just a minute to talk about doors and the demonic. Because a lot of times we're like, well, I don't want to open, you know, doors. If you watch that movie, you're opening a door. If you listen to that music, you're opening a door. If you read that book, you're opening a door. Now, what does that mean? I think what people mean is if you read a certain book or you watch a certain movie, you're going to get possessed by demons. Now, if you're the child of God, I have to believe that grace is a little stronger than that. However, what we consume does affect us. So it is important to guard our righteousness. So there's certain things that I won't listen to. There's certain things that I will not watch because I don't want the influence. It's not because I'm scared of a demon. It's because I don't want that influence in my life that might cause me to think something that is against my biblical worldview, maybe against my reality. Come on, I don't want someone investing in my life that is possessed by demons. It's not that I'm going to get possessed by demons, but maybe they are. So I don't want them influencing me. So I'm going to do what Ephesians 4, 7, and 8 says. Whatever is holy, whatever is pure, whatever is good, think about these things. Why? Because I'm legalistic? No, because, listen, legalism will instill, instill fear into you, and fear is, is, is as bad as anything else. Fear is sin. So legalism comes in and says, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, or the devil will get you. Well, that's fear. So that's equally bad. So we've got to deal with this tension and say, you know what? I'm not going to consume certain things. So, you, beloved, you need to have some, st- some standards in your life. I'm not going to tell you what that standard is. But it's something that promotes sin, unwholesome thoughts, language, fascination. 
Right? I've got to be careful with that kind of stuff, man. Because when I was a kid, I was totally fascinated with the demonic realm. So we do seances, and I know you're probably going to try to walk me through some deliverance. But I believe that when I came to Jesus, the curse was broken. But man, I was so fascinated with that stuff as a kid. So you think I'm going to let my kids around that kind of stuff? Witches and all this kind of stuff? Heck no. Because I don't want them developing an unhealthy fascination in that that might cause them to go deeper than what was even intended. Because the devil's a slimy little serpent snake that's going to come in and just try to find every little thing that he can to manipulate them. So it's not legalism. Come on. It's just being careful with our fascination. Ephesians 4.27. Don't get the devil a foothold. I'm hurrying. Number three. Feet covered with the gospel of peace. Why the gospel of peace? Because where there is no gospel, there is no peace. And the gospel, listen, the gospel is peace. The, the gospel is reconciliation with God. So we are grounded in that. You understand that these cleats, these uh, sandals were more like cleats. They had cleats on the bottom. So when they stood there, they were rooted in it. What are they rooted in? They're rooted in the peace of God that transcends all understanding. It's hard. It's difficult. But I'm standing. I'm standing here. It's uh, I'm digging in, digging into the gospel, digging into peace. The only place, listen, if, uh, Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Right underneath the, the gospel, the gospel of peace. Come on. Come at me, devil. I'm well grounded. Number four, the shield of faith. Now, these shields... They weren't like a metal, they might have been a metal shield, but in my research, what I found is that a lot of times it was a wooden shield that was about four foot tall, huge, and they would cover it with leather, and before they went into battle, they would go and they'd, they would saturate that leather and water, so when arrows were shot at it, fiery arrows were shot at it, the, the moisture in the leather would actually extinguish the arrows of the enemy. So what are we doing with that shield? We're hiding behind it. Because we don't place faith in ourselves, We don't place faith in our strength. We place faith in Jesus. So we're like, Lord, I'm rooted. This faith shields me from all the lies of the devil. He comes to attack. I'm just hiding myself in Jesus. I'm just hiding myself in Jesus. Right? So choose today, fear or faith. If, again, let me say this. If we are functioning in fear, let me say this. If we are functioning in fear, then the enemy already has influence in our life. And that could be a fear of like your finances, or it can be a fear of like the demonic. I'm afraid demons are going to show up at my house. Beloved, understand your identity. Y'all okay? Uh, Luke 10, 19. I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. I give you this. I've got all authority. So guess what? I'm giving it to you. You have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome the power of the enemy. You have that authority. So faith. And number five, the helmet of salvation. We're going to stop here and we'll pick up next week. But listen, the helmet of salvation, why? Because we need to protect our noggin. (laughs) Are you with me? And understand that we think, listen, we think from a point of salvation. Are you with me? We think from our salvation. You are saved. You have a redeemed mind. You think from that redeemed mind. You don't allow the world to come in 
or the enemy to come in and tell you lies and all this kind of stuff. Why? Because you're redeemed. So you think from salvation. Self-talk. You can't do anything. You'll never overcome that. Man, you better hope the devil didn't get you this week because you're vulnerable right now. Self-talk. Beloved, you are redeemed. Will you think like the redeemed? Put off, put off your old way of thinking, like the scripture says to do, and be renewed in your mind. I, I, was, uh, I went to a counselor a while back, and he said, uh, Josh, it's important for you to learn to captivate your thoughts. We talked about this in the beginning. He said that you would take thoughts captive. Now, that word captive actually is a military word. It means to take like a prisoner of war. So when we take, when we get a thought, we take that thought captive. And this is what he said to me. He said, Josh, he said, you can only renew what you, what you take captive. The only thoughts that you can renew, because some thoughts don't need to be re- renewed. Some thoughts need to be removed. So it's better for you when you get a thought, that you take a th- captive and you go, why am I thinking that? I'm, be- I'm the beloved of God. I'm a saved man. Why am I thinking lustfully? You take that thought captive. And then what do you do with it? You, you renew it you, or you remove it. And you renew it by what? Bring it under the obedience of Jesus. So you have that thought. You go, God, is that the way that you think? Is this the way a child of God thinks? And then you bring it under the obedience of Jesus, Lord. And some of it we just go, get out of here. Because sometimes it's self-talk, sometimes it's the devil. So you've got to capture, take captives. We can only renew and redeem what we take captive. Amen? Neuroplasticity. You guys know what that is? It's the, the, the way your brain functions. You have these little paths in your brain that connect your emotions to your logic, that connect your instincts to your logic. So you've got to train your instincts. Listen, you've got to train your instincts because you've been walking down that path a long time. You've got to train your instincts by the way that you think, your logic. Not allowing the emotions to drive you because you're not an animal. Not allowing the instincts to drive you because you're not an animal. But you're using your mind, the mind of Christ.